I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. We're investors at VMG Partners, and we help build iconic consumer brands. Every day, some of the world's most fascinating founders share their stories with us before they've made it. Their highs and lows. Mistakes and triumphs. But always extraordinary results. And now we're sharing these stories with you. This is Unfinished Biz. Oh, I have negative 1,000 in my account. I owe 150 grand. But hey, it's okay. <laughs> On this episode of Unfinished Biz, Bill Keith, founder and CEO of Perfect Bar, a refrigerated snacking brand launched as a family business, walks us through his incredible origin story of true entrepreneurial grit. I'll never forget the day I walked into the kitchen and my huddled my brothers and sisters together and I said, I don't see us being able to make the next month's worth of rent. And I said, you know what, though, guys? And we turned on Manish Yahoo, and we said, you know, Jerusalem, we had the song going, and we said, if we're going to go down, we're going to go down fighting. And I get cold chills thinking about it. Bill and his 12-sibling family business have managed to stand apart in a crowded, multi-billion dollar snacking industry. Perfect Bar, which is refrigerated, claims over 20 organic superfoods without any chemical preservatives, artificial ingredients, or refined sugars. But Bill's story can't be sugar-coated either. The road to success hasn't been easy. Unfinished Biz starts now. Wayne, I know you're pretty close to Bill at this point. I know it's one of our partner companies, and you know his story quite well. Yeah, it's one of the more remarkable stories I've heard, and it starts with Bill's dad, Bud Keith who was an avid nutritionist and started the perfect bar recipe out of his home just for his family. And speaking of the family, there's 13 kids. Wow. And he would bring these 13 kids across the U.S. on a bus as he would lecture at universities about nutrition. And even at the end of these nutrition lectures, he would sometimes bring all 13 kids on a stage and have them sing. That sounds like quite the production there. It can be quite the production. <laughs> I wish I wish I would have been able to see them I sing. Know, I um, know. It does take a sad turn, though. Uh, Bud Keith unfortunately dies of skin cancer, and Bill, as the oldest sibling, ended up having to think of a way to save his family. And he convinced his mother to sell the only property they had and use that money as startup capital for Perfect Bar. We caught up with Bill in Baltimore recently when he was in town for the massive annual food convention, Expo East. Robin, you ready for this wild story? Let's do it. Picture this. 13 kids on a bus traveling across the country. Um, My dad lectured at different universities. He lectured about nutrition, organic and gluten-free. And this is before it was popular like it is today. This is back in the 80s and early 90s. Um, he would actually bring his children at the end of uh, you know these lectures, and we would sing. We were known as the Keith Trap Family Singer. What would you sing? So, oh, we'd sing Amy Grant songs. Now, picture this: a lineup of children dressed in drapes that mom hand sewed uh, for us. So, so imagine this: just I was matching with my younger brothers, and the sisters had their own um, outfits and literally my parents would go into different folks houses and they say hey look at those drapes hey are, are you planning on getting some new drapes and that would be our clothes but, but what's that <laughs> have to do with the new your dad speaking about nutrition so so listen it just shows you who he was he he was a free spirit type of guy and he would travel the country and he would make up a bunch of different concoctions gluten-free organic just just strange stuff a lot of it tastes gross but he made these protein balls for us, and he'd take 
um, his whole food supplements, spinach, kale, rosehip, and 20 different foods. Um, he'd grind it into a powder, blend it with organic nut butter and honey, and he'd feed us these, these protein balls. He called them daddy balls. <laughs> and uh, So needless <laughs> to say, we, we grew up, you know, homeschooled, and my wife says that's why I'm special. So, so what, what, what number are you in, in terms of your siblings? I'm the oldest of 13. How did you go from singing on a bus to, to starting a, 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 you know, a refrigerated snacking brand? We basically grew up in a different lifestyle. We settled in Northern California, and I was going to college, and I um, was playing basketball at the time, and I got the call from my mom that my dad was getting sick, and he ended up having accelerated skin cancer. So I came back home, and you know, the financial situation was bleak. We had no money. We were getting ready to lose our house. So I convinced my mom to, and my dad to sell their house, and we were mounting medical bills. We, t- we had $100,000, and we looked at the options, me being the oldest, of all the ways we could take care of the family. I really took on the, you know, the onus being the oldest one. So and how old were you at this point? And I was 21. What motivates a, long, a lot of young entrepreneurs is when your friends say, hey, you know, that protein ball that you're giving us, you should sell that in stores. That's the best bar I've ever had. So we looked at different options, and I saw and I researched what it would take to make our packaging look professional. And it was a flow wrapper machine, right? And I Googled that up. Google's been, you know, helped me out throughout my career. Um, and we literally, we, we took a little kitchen. I took that $100,000, bought a $65,000 flow wrapper, bought all the ingredients and everything. By the time I was done, I had five grand. And we said, family, let's get together and let's start a business making um, these daddy balls, but had to change the name, of course, and we turned them to perfect bars. Really, the options weren't there. It was either that or we all tried to get jobs to help support the family. Um, I knew living at home with my mom and brothers and sisters, I was not going to probably meet a lot of ladies that way. So I had to make big money and big money quick. So, so all of this was to meet, to meet girls. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, I was 21 at the time. Come on. <laughs> um, I went door to door a lot. I um, would sell at different gyms and co-ops, wherever I could get my foot in the door. But being that we were a refrigerated bar, there was a lot of headwinds. Um, at the time, there were 700 different bars in the market. Now there's over four or 5,000 different brands. So what made us unique? Well, the fact that we're cold pressed, we don't have the preservatives, we have the 20 organic whole foods, high protein, um, and the taste was exceptional. And obviously, if you have a product that tastes great and is good for you, you have something. We started with Perfect Foods Bar, and the packaging was actually my sister Lee on Microsoft Word. Um, And I'll never forget, we pulled up the FDA website, and we were looking, okay, the net weight goes here, the nutrition panel goes there. It was god-awful, to be honest. Uh, Lee, I love you, but the packaging, (laughs) you you know. Win art art just didn't cut it. (laughs) Exactly. And I'll never forget my first presentation. The guy asked me if I made it in my kitchen. And I said, oh, we have a certified factory, of course. I mean, and, um, you know, it, it was one of those deals where we had the heart, we had the folks in place, and we were hand-rolling these bars. Um, and we did that all the way till we made, gosh, millions of bars literally hand-rolled, send them through this flow wrapper machine, and it was time for me to hit the streets. And then at this point, how many siblings were involved in the business? So we had the oldest seven. Um, yeah, and actually, let me back up. When we started, it was, it was me and Amias, my brother Amias. And then Sharice and Lee came on board as the second wave. And then the third wave was Monice, Heather, 
and and Zane. And then as we progressed, more and more siblings started coming on board. You know, a lot of them were working for room and board, board at Perfect Bar. So it's almost like, you know, you're obliged. Hey, you like the roof over your head and you like food on your plate. <laughs> you got to come eat at Perfect Bar or come, come work at Perfect Bar. For us, it was about survival at that point. And, you know, we had a concept that, that we really believed in, but it was just fledgling and we were losing money every month. And so, you know, there was a lot of faith that, that drove us during those hard times. How open were you on sort of your financial position with your siblings? Because obviously there's pretty big disparity in age. You know, open all the way down to when they were in high school, okay. right? So the kids in high school and below, everything's fine. You got food on your plate, every, everything's okay. You know, now they, they notice when they got home, brothers and sisters, mom had some worried looks on their face. <laughs> you know, why, why are they so worried? You know, what's going on? Oh, it's okay. We'll take care of it. Oh, I have negative a thousand in my account. I owe 150 grand, but hey, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So my first big break was at a Harmony Festival in Santa Rosa, California. And we, we set up a little booth there and at these festivals, folks are feeling great and they want peanut butter and honey. (laughs) (laughs) And so they're, they're feeling good. I was, I would sell so many bars. I'd sell 15,000 bars in a weekend. And for me, that was huge. Paid, paid the bills for a month or so. So I actually met the Berkeley Whole Foods buyer, and well, a grocery team leader, I should say. And she was a nice lady. Um, she came up, and you know, we conversated back and forth. And she said, "You know what? I'm going to put you in my store. Or I'm going to help you get in my store." Um, she took us to the corporate buyer, and that was a big one. We didn't have a meeting scheduled, and um, we finally got approval for one store. And we were told that 30 days, you need to prove yourself, and call back in 30 days. I knew this is my chance. And so um, I got together with my family and I said, I'm going to need to stay in Berkeley and travel back and forth between Sacramento, pick up bars and drop them off. And we're going to make this work. So I slept in my car for 30 days and I, I, you know, I showered at the gym. I want to be clear. I wasn't smelly. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, I just sold my heart out. I was in there day and night and every customer that came through, I, I would pitch our story. Um, pitch our bar brand, why we were unique. And after that 30 days, of course, called back the buyer, you know, got a call back saying, hey, wow, this is really working. We got in 10 more stores. And that was the spark that really ignited the flame um, for Perfect Bar. So we were bootstrapped all the way till three years ago. Um, so we we were funding it by, by all means possibles, different family loans, credit cards, but literally the sales funded the growth of the business. Um, and we kept such tight inventory. We'd literally be just in time inventory and we ran that way for years. Um, we didn't live outside of our means. I mean, my brothers and sisters, bless their heart. They'd come to me asking for just, you know, a few dollars for here and that I had to be the tough older brother that said no to everything, you know? And, um, and it was that kind of discipline that really saw us through to where we started to hit our stride. How'd you expand into other geographies? Perfect Bar was growing in Northern California. We finally moved down to San Diego. We had a little manufacturing, <laughs> when I say plant, it was a kitchen, a very small kitchen. Um, and my brothers and sisters were working away and we had the opportunity to go into the, um, the Denver area through natural grocers by vitamin cottage. Mm-hmm. The buyer approved us for a hunter's license, which basically means that you go in, you get regional approval, but you have to still sell the store directly. So you're not in schematic. 
And so we took, you know, on a risk and a prayer, we, we took the U-Haul, moved out to Denver. We had no um, accounts lined up, uh, no perceivable way to really make any finances, but everything that I could sell, I I'd be able to keep. That's just how we worked in, because I knew they had to support the family. So I said, you know what, how about this? I made a little deal with my sister Lee. If I can sell it, then, you know, that'll be my wage, basically. And so I just hit the ground, and we just stored a door, demos and door, and we did that for a year, and built Natural Grocers up to a pretty reputable size business out there, and then came home, and and we moved into our our manufacturing plant that um, we're actually in today. You know, we saw the horizon. We had, uh, you know, the Rocky Mountain area opening up. We just got approval for uh, the Northwest Whole Foods. And then we were at the stage where we said, hey, Whole Foods is starting to work, and we're really developing as a brand in their chain. Let's push, push this all the way out um, to, to uh, the East Coast. Um, but that's when we really started to add on staff. So what I would do is I would fly to an area, and I'd, I'd um, meet with the corporate office, get approval, um, and then fly back, post a job on Craigslist right, for a demonstrator, um, but that demonstrator also had to house bars in their refrigerator um, that they were going to sell to the stores. So the job description was you've got to be incredible at demos and also have a, a refrigerator in your, exactly. in your garage. And, and, and a people little, were like, in a, in, a, in a way to transport cold chain products. Exactly. exactly. And there's, there'd always be a guy who'd be like, that's me. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. That's, this, is, this is it. Well, you know, so the, the talent pool for that, let's just say it was tough. We had that feeling as, a, as an organization, stay scrappy, do whatever it takes. And, and we literally opened up across the country in that fashion. But when it got to the uh, East Coast, we actually did a tour, traveled across the country. And as um, we would, we'd have a hunter's license for different Whole Foods and fresh markets. As we pitched those stores, we'd follow it up by a demo. We had product in our van. Now, picture this van that... Uh, were you guys sleeping in the van again? Yes, we were. And not so savory, no windows van. Needless to say, we pulled up on fee- a few people a few times and they ran. We said, no, 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 we're perfect bar. And we did that. We pitched numerous accounts, hundreds of accounts up and down the East Coast, went all the way to Miami, all the way up to uh, D.C. and uh, back again. And, you know, we ended up spending $10,000 in six weeks and at the time, that was an exorbitant amount of money. And I'll never forget, my sister Lee comes to me and she says, Bill, $10,000 for this trip? Oh, that, that's really going to you know, sink us. You know? And I said, Lee, trust me, I, I think we did a lot of good out there. And we end up opening up the whole East Coast to national distribution. And that's what really um, put us on the map. And any mentors, or as you kind of started to think through, hey, wait a second, there might be a few conflicts that we're not thinking about. Were you reaching out to anybody? So my biggest um, problem was that I reinvented the wheel. You know, and, and whenever I see young entrepreneurs come to me and ask questions, I say that's exactly what you should do. Um, I did have a mentor, um, and <laughs> Jordan Rubin, and he he at the time was the uh, CEO of Garden of Life, and so he was a great resource. But I don't I didn't reach out to him as enough as I should have. We had a motto, you know, going forth that. You know, if if we're gonna fail, it's it, we're gonna fail just daring greatly and, and trying our hardest. And you know, whenever I hear someone say, you know, just we'll do whatever it takes. Uh, do you know what do whatever it takes mean? You can do a lot. Trust <laughs> me. <laughs> 
So you're starting to, starting to, to really gain traction nationally. What was the next breakthrough for you as a, as a company? So we got into Costco about six or seven years ago, and that was a big move. Um, you know, at the time we were growing, um, and you know, Costco they they do so much volume and the the road shows and how much energy it would take. And you know, a lot of folks know that if you're in Costco, there's some quality standards that you have to have. So um, by getting into Costco and you know, getting that first pallet sent and, and starting the road shows that really started to break through. And then from that, we were able to leverage different conventional retail. What do you mean by conventional? So conventional retail is your your Kroger's, your Safeways, your, um, your A-Holds, what we consider those grocery stores, those conventional retail grocery stores across the country. Um, and, and that's where the, that's where the numbers are greatest. So for us, that that was our next big breakthrough. And we really, we started that two, three years ago. Um, and from there, well, actually, excuse me, we, we got into conventional about five years ago, but really started to add on the numbers a good two, three years ago. Was there any difficulties in the transition of bringing on outsiders, if you will, and how does that mesh with family? So we have a clear cut um, rule or standard in my family that there's going to be no special um, privileges for Keith members. And in fact, if your name's Keith, we're going to expect a little bit more out of you. Um, I set the tone in order to have an organization that that um, you know has trust from its employees. You need to make sure you have a clear reputation that you don't treat family members different um, than than the other employees. And we, you know, I, I have a, a saying that our family over the years has just gotten bigger. We've brought in now, you know, we have 150 folks in the Perfect Bar brand. And how has your role changed? Oh, wow. I mean, you know, instead of the family, instead of the board meetings at the family dinner at Thanksgiving, <laughs> I mean, that's, that was the board meetings before over turkey and some wine. So, so my role has changed as being more of a traditional CEO, right? Holding my VPs to clear cut direction, KPI and objectives. Um, you know, I, I'm fascinated with, you know, the role and the, the leadership that is needed from a culture standpoint. Um, making sure that everybody is enjoying what they're doing, making sure that the Eagles are flying in alignment, which is so crucial um, in this role. And, you know, with all the departmental friction that can go back and forth from sales to operations to, you know, making sure that, that everybody is in alignment, that we have clear-cut goals from our board, um, our board meetings and our initiatives that we all agree on and making sure that we fulfill those goals and objectives. I would say you have to be willing to be vulnerable and you have to be willing to say, I don't know. And you have to be willing to take advice from others and admit when you're wrong. And as long as you're confident in what you believe and confident in what you do and, and your team is going to see that confidence and, and the confidence to step up and say in front of everybody, Gosh, what do you guys think? Let's let's get our brain trust together and figure this this particular problem out. Um, you know, pride is something that really can hurt uh, uh, that transition. What's one of the biggest challenges that you're still confronting today as an organization? Well, you know, our challenge is always making the product and, you know, conventional retail as well. Our product is cold pressed. It is a tough product to make. We've had folks try to copy us and you know, quite honestly, it's um, it's very difficult. 
and you know it's good because it keeps the competitors at bay. Do you think e-commerce is a, a role for the future of Perfect Bar? No doubt. I, anybody that doesn't believe that they have to put resources and time towards e-commerce is going to be late to the show. You know, it's just a matter of us building out the logistics plan. And, and what I mean by that, being refrigerated, it's so tough to arrive cold, fresh, ready to go. Um, so we're looking at different solutions on new cutting-edge packaging and ways that we can, you know, keep our costs down, deliver that product fresh on your door doorstep for a reasonable price. Our product itself, it has nine months worth of shelf life. And from a, from a spoilage or health hazard perspective, you can keep the product out of the fridge for nine months. It, it, won't, um, it won't harm you. But for best use, we, we say up to seven days out of the fridge, so one week on the go. After that one week, the bar starts to dry out, and it just it doesn't have the quality that you expect from us. Does the nutritional profile change, or is it primarily taste? It, well, it does a little bit. The, the oils, um, so I, I imagine the fat content drops a little bit. But again, you don't want to eat a bunch of powdered nut butters. You know, it, Because we don't have the soy lecithin emulsifier, the binders in the product that binds oils and proteins together make a, a product shelf stable like a ton of our, our, our competitors. Um, that's why we're, we're kept cold. We say nature's oldest preservative, um, cold. Right after the break, we'll talk more with our guest, Perfect Bar founder and CEO, Bill Keith. And one of us might start singing. You guess who? Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. You can catch up on all our episodes at unfinishedbiz.com and chat with us on Twitter at unfin underscore biz. That's at unfin underscore biz. Subscribe to our podcast for free on iTunes or any podcast app of your choice. We're always looking for questions and suggestions, so reach out. And now, back to our episode with Perfect Bar's Bill Keith. What was a bet the company moment for you guys? Bet the company moment for us was clearly the time we had to bet the family moment. And what I mean by that is we took the family's life savings, that $100,000, and bought a flow wrapper machine for 65 grand. We're talking about almost two thirds of our life savings used up on a piece of equipment with no retail um, to pay for it. How much did you know about flow wrapping machines at that point? Everything I learned from Google. I mean, literally. So everything. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I also bought um, a, an extruder uh, from Germany, had that extruder sent over and paid an exorbitant amount on it, financed it. Um, it ended up not working, and we got half of what we paid for it back. So literally, I had to pay six years on a piece of equipment and only got half it back. But I will say, half of that money back was in a lump sum, and it helped kept us going. So it all worked out in the end. You know, there's certainly highs and lows. What, what's a particular low point for, uh, for you in this endeavor? Gosh, the lowest point, I would say, would be the week before... Um, before Santa Rosa Harmony Festival. At the time, we had negative 1,000 in our account. We maxed our credit cards to the hilt, had a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt. I, I'll never forget the day I walked into the kitchen and my huddled my brothers and sisters together and I said, I don't see us being able to make the next month's worth of rent. And I said, you know what though, guys? And we turned on Manish Yahoo and we said, you know, Jerusalem, we had the song going, and we said, if we're going to go down, we're going to go down fighting. And I get cold chills thinking about it. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't be 
upset at yourself if you did everything you can to make it work. And um, fortunately enough, the next week we made a contact at Whole Foods. On the flip side, what's a notable high point for you? Oh, gosh. Um, The high point for us was when we started to be a viable business. Um, We had just gotten into Costco, and I wrote my last check um, for that credit card debt. I was debt-free, and I had a lot of wide-open space ahead of me. And just that feeling of, of security and, listen, you know, the only thing certain in life is death and taxes, right? But, <laughs> but you know, for me, just saying, gosh, I think I might be able to, to make this work. That was probably a high point. And at this point, what keeps you up at night? You know, what continues to keep me up at night is finding space and making our product to the best of our ability, right? Um, it is extremely tough to make our product, and it is... You know, you, we have to design equipment a certain way, and um, so continuing to find space and, and grow our manufacturing capability is something that absolutely keeps me up at night. Being a food brand, quality is number one. Um, and then number two is, you know, retail activation, finding, creating a culture to where we have the folks to go in there and build, um, you know, our conventional retail brand awareness. And those two things I'm really building on every day. So, Wayne, I know you're going to find this weird. We just heard this incredible story, but my takeaway was that Bill is capable of sleeping in all sorts of different vehicles for long periods of time, and he's totally good with it. They had to do what they had to do and to survive. I mean, it's a story of Bill saving his family and... You know, sometimes sleeping in a van or showering at 24-hour fitness at night to, in order to do it. That's just that's just the way that's it's, the way it goes. It's a lot of heart. It's a lot of heart. And I use this story all the time with entrepreneurs today because a lot of times they don't have that same level of grit. And the money is abundant in the capital markets now, so they raise the money because they can, and they end up with a bad business model and a lot of dilution. And as investors, we love seeing that tenacity. I mean, if you're capable of actually not taking money early, having a great business model, and still being able to build a brand, I mean, that is the secret sauce. In this scrappiness that the Keith family's embodied, it served them well, and their whole family is going to be set up for a lifetime. By the way, consider hiring Bill for your next festive event. You'll see what we're talking about in just a second. So certainly more than most early 30-somethings, you've carried quite a weight on your shoulders. What hobbies have you had time for? You know, I have two children, so and they're the ages uh, three and one, and so I don't have a ton of time for hobbies. You know, when I get home, mom's had a long day, time for dad to take over. Um, um, but I, I do enjoy, um, you know, hanging out with my friends, going to the beach, swimming in the ocean, um, playing DraftKings with you guys. That's fun, watching football. <laughs> <laughs> My brothers and sisters, they, over the years, they have continued to um, learn and build out their skill set to fit whatever need um, in the business that, that we need for them to perform. Um, my mom, we have been able to take care of my mom, and, and you know we have her in a great house in San Diego. Um, it's really a dream come true, complete reversal of the situation we were in. The role of singing was something you raised um, on the bus. Do you still sing today? Uh, you know what? I, I'm known as the wedding singer. 
and uh, you know, I'll, I'll definitely, um, I, I actually just stood up, oh, it was about a week or two ago, and sang at my nephew nephew's wedding, you know, and I literally did that Frank Sinatra song, a lot of shoes, a lot of rice, <laughs> the groom was nervous, he asked it twice, that's right, boss, but don't make it, folks, that's what you get, folks, for making whoopee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speechless. <laughs> All right, Bill Keith, you ready for our signature game? Rapid fire, 60 seconds. Say the first thing that comes to your mind. Ready? All right, I'm ready. Let's go. The first thing you read every day is? Uh, Wall Street Journal. What's your favorite movie? Uh, Braveheart. Who's your celebrity crush? Russell Crowe. Karaoke song you're most likely to belt out? Uh, System of the Down. Your hometown is famous for? Uh, beaches. What's your guilty pleasure? Chips. First car you ever drove? Buick Skylark. Runner-up name for your business that didn't make the cut? Uh, daddy balls. <laughs> <laughs> Do you recline on airplanes? Absolutely. If you could drink one thing for the rest of your life besides water, what do you choose? Uh, lemonade? What was your last New Year's resolution? To work out more. If you were stranded on an island and only could bring one thing, what would it be? Perfect bars. Where's the next place you'd like to travel? Uh, Barcelona. If a movie was made of your life, you'd be played by? Russell Crowe. The talent you don't have but wish you did? Um, organization. What's your most hated food? Brussels sprouts. If you could be any pro athlete, who would you be? Uh, LeBron. Political issue you care about most? about most gosh there's so many equality favorite tv show ever uh seinfeld during last week have you looked at your phone while driving pass <laughs> Deep oh, oh you're right there you tied but oh. he didn't pass <laughs> thanks so much to bill keith for his time and sharing his story you can learn more about perfect bar at perfectbar.com You've been listening to Unfinished Biz. I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. We'll be back on the next episode with Amy Regan, CEO of SkinFix, maker of natural and dermatologist-recommended skincare lines for face and body, which started modestly in a small garage in Canada and grew into a global brand, but not without a few surprises along the way. We had folks telling us to not launch nationally, to go to regional drug and build the brand slowly and not go to Target until we were you know, more ready and had more proof that the concept worked in the US. But how do you say no to Target full distribution? I mean, that was the dream, right? That's next time on Unfinished Biz. Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. You can subscribe to our show for free in any podcast app of your choice. Send us questions, comments, and feedback on Twitter at unfin underscore biz and visit us at unfinishedbiz.com.